Welcome back, welcome back. This is season two, episode one of the Pilots Pandemic. Thank you guys all so much for joining me again and being here for this episode. It's been a long six months and I know you all are probably wondering where the hell I've been and we're going to get into that. But first I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in today and continuing to share and follow and support the petition. It truly does mean the world to me. But stay tuned till the end of the episode because I have some pretty exciting news for you guys. So I think you will all be pretty stoked about that and got some pretty awesome stuff planned for this season. So without further ado, I'll get into all my excuses. But again, I've missed you guys. It's good to be back. The question you all have been waiting for. Where the hell did Emma go? (laughs) The last thing I'm going to do is beat around the bush, guys. I mean, really, where the hell have I been? I have to ask myself sometimes. (laughs) And I'm not going to give you some lame excuse, but I do ask that you guys just hear me out for a few minutes. So in May, I had finally acquired the money to finish my IFR rating. (sighs) And that's, and that's it. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. So in May, I had finally acquired like and gotten everything that I needed to get together to finish my IFR rating. Um, Because I moved at the beginning of the year, I was two and a half hours away from my flight school. So I knew I had to finish this. I knew I had to be methodical about how I finished it because it's expensive. And when you're looking at a five-hour round trip, you kind of have to plan ahead a little bit. But so me and my flight instructor talked. We knew that I really only needed two flight lessons to get me to my check ride. Um those two flights turned into two months and I think a lot of people can probably relate to that um airplane went down for maintenance multiple times I cannot tell you how many times I was driving to Raleigh and I got a text that said hey just so you know (laughs) and that really sucked um so there was a lot of driving where I wasn't able to get anything done, but after two months, the plane being down for maintenance, um, had multiple flat tires on my car. Of course, when you need to drive and of course, when you need to travel is when your car decides to give you all hell. Um, then between all that, you're trying to fly in the middle of a Southern summer, which means thunderstorms every single night. So that was lovely. But finally, I got my IFR on June 17th, which was very exciting, but although it was the biggest sigh of relief, it also felt like the biggest weight had just been put on me, and I'll explain why. I wanted to jump right back into the podcast, like right then and there, but I couldn't. I kind of was at a crossroads 
personally, like, where am I going to go from here? I started to kind of fear the possibility that everything that I had just worked my ass off for was going to be taken away because of this podcast, because of the petition. You guys, I literally had no self-awareness as to what 5,000 signatures means or now we're close to 7,500. I had no, I couldn't fathom that. I really couldn't. It was like, it happened so quick that I couldn't really fathom it. And when I came, became self-aware of it was like before I finished my IFR training because it started to get real. I had people in my like, I don't want to say real life. Everything is real life, but I had people in person wanting to talk about this with me saying that they had signed my petition and none of it was negative, but it was intense thinking, oh my God, all these people, (laughs) all these people listened to me. All these people signed my petition and I... I I started to make up like these worst possible scenarios. Like what if I walked into my check ride and my check ride examiner asked me about my petition and he's listened to the podcast doubts, but say, say that were to happen and say he, he wanted to talk about it, but he didn't agree with my stance. I know there are people out there who don't agree with me because they've told me to my face that they don't agree with me my own family so these are the things that you start to think of and when you it's just weird when politics start to affect your like day-to-day life um you don't think about it when you're hiding behind a screen and i think a lot of us i don't care who you are we all hide behind a screen i hide behind a microphone you hide behind a screen i hide behind a screen i've hidden behind my screen for months like (laughs) and speak of months that's why it's so hard to come back because two months becomes four months and four months becomes six months and you're like am I even going to be able to come back from this are people even going to listen do people still care and people do care because the petition has continued to get signatures and people have continued to advocate for what what we are all fighting for and what we all know is right but I'll tell you at one point it literally felt like I would probably never sit in front of this mic again like I was ashamed I felt embarrassed I didn't know how to explain that I had literally become afraid of the very thing I was fighting for and every day that passed was just another day that I felt like I would have to explain 
social media just started to eat at me. The pressure of it all was just honestly soul crushing. I like, do I walk away and be the girl who stopped trying before this even started? Or do I put my inhibitions aside and continue this fight? You obviously know what I choose because you're listening to this right now. <laughs> but the biggest takeaway from for anyone who is listening to this right now, the things that I want want you to take away, well, besides all the excuses that I just made, but it's be kind to yourself. If something does not feel right, do not force it. If you need a break, take it. I will literally shout this till I'm in my grave. There should be and is nothing wrong with maintaining your mental health. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, guys. Without further ado, welcome Miss Maddie Miller, the new co-host of The Pilot. Pandemic podcast. I am so stoked to get Maddie on the podcast with me. She is just a boss ass babe who has been literally kicking ass on Instagram, TikTok, pretty much every social media platform that you can think of. Um, she is such an amazing advocator for aeromedical reform. And I'm just super, super thankful for you, Maddie. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Emma. I'm so happy just to be here to be back in like a different place like it's been a while since I've been on the podcast and now just to be a part of it is an amazing feeling and I am grateful for you for inspiring me well we are so well I'm like we I'm so happy to have you Maddie but I had Maddie on the last episode that I recorded and I know probably everyone's listened to that but I wanted to give Maddie a chance to reintroduce herself who is Maddie how did she get into the aviation industry what are her passions etc so who are you Maddie all right so I know that whoever's listening to the last episode knows that I am an aviation wellness expert I have a background in uh, personal training I'm a certified personal trainer through the National Federation of Personal Training then I'm also a transformational nutrition coach through the Institute of Transformational Nutrition um, I was a former ramper CSA, so I've worked in the airline industry, and then my husband also is a pilot, um, commercially, a line pilot, and so I have a lot of ties in the aviation industry, uh, as well as family. My dad used to be a pilot as well, so um, there's a lot of different facets that have lined up to, and why I call myself an aviation wellness expert, because that's kind of not really a a title. Um, but I decided like, I know a lot about wellness. I know a lot about aviation. So I, that's why I call myself an aviation wellness expert. And now I'm starting into aeromedical reform with like a heavy emphasis on mental health. Um, so that's what I've been working on mostly is the pilot mental health aspect for the last 
what six months I think since yeah. I've Girl, been on the pod been, you've been you've been at it I think it was it was literally six months I went into my calendar I was like how long has it been <laughs> But I know, girl, I call yourself an expert. I mean, this woman has, I mean, all like, what do you do every single day? Read articles. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's Lots all you research. do, girl. <laughs> you are like educated up on this subject. So yeah, I think um, that's what it takes, honestly, for knowing about the issues that pilots deal with, because you're never going to see just normal everyday articles about pilots and their mental health, because it's so buried uh, by lots of people. And so you do have to dig into research on mental health just in the general population, and then take it and and put it towards pilots, because they won't do studies on pilots. For real, it's health. such a taboo subject, such a taboo subject. So yeah, I think that's a been a heavy emphasis on the mental health aspect, and it's definitely opened my eyes to what pilots are dealing with, um, and and that I feel kind of similar to them and how they've felt in being silenced with what I've done. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that because you've had some trials and tribulations, and a few people that don't really want us to spread the good word. Mm-hmm. So, I, um, yeah, I will, I will go down that road with you. <laughs> so in the last six months, a lot of my targeting was toward like unions because unions stand for pilots. They fight for pilots, um, for their companies. And I thought that would be a great place for me to start because they are advocates for pilots. They are there to keep their jobs uh, without really realizing that everyone has their own agenda. So I was just tagging unions and tagging companies, uh, tagging safety organizations, because I thought, hey, if I tag them, then they'll know this is an issue and maybe they will want to get on board with this pilot mental health issue. Exactly. Um, I mean, safety. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd think like these organizations would care more if it was brought yeah. to light. And that's kind of my naivety in thinking, hey, if I bring this to light, these people will come and ask me what I'm doing and also endorse the petition. The big thing was like, hey, I would love if you guys could endorse the petition. Yeah. And me and my husband had talked about this and he was like, hey, just, you know, know that the company and the union can also have their own view on things. And it may not line up with how you think about things, even though this is for the better of pilots. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I understand. Um, but what happened was it was probably like two or three months in. The, my husband's union had called him up and had seen some things on my Instagram. And the only reason their eyes were really on my Instagram was because I had already volunteered with the union. Um, yeah. And I'm pretty active pilot wife. So they already knew who I was. I knew who the MEC head was. Um, we've talked. And so it, they wanted my husband to tell me to take stuff off my Instagram because it was attacking the company and kind of attacking the union because they're in negotiations right now. Yeah. And I really was like, I don't understand why the union's calling my husband to tell me a content creator to delete stuff. Like I wanted that direct line of communication. So I told my husband to tell his MEC head to call me. 
And that's what they did. They called me probably like five days later. It was the MEC head. It was the union lawyer. And they told me, they did circles around it, but they basically said, whatever you're posting about pilot mental health can jeopardize your husband's career. Which I, I literally is, is the most backwards, ironic thing I think I've ever heard in my whole entire life. It's Isn't literally it? the same thing that we have been, we have been preaching. It's like, mm-hmm. they will, they, at any moment, anything, anything that you do to go against them or doesn't fit their viewpoint. No, uh, you, you might not be able to fly again. We're going to threaten you. Yeah. And, and, and they do it. So like behind the scenes, you don't know what to do. You're like, okay. If the union who is supposed to advocate for my job is telling me my mental health doesn't matter through my wife's post, basically, then like, what do other organizations really care about? And that was the other subject I wanted to talk about, too, was it wasn't only the union. It was also another safety organization for pilots. Um, And that... It, they're called Aviation Safety Aeromedical Services, I mm-hmm. believe, AMAS. Mm-hmm. So I had just posted them as a resource on my social media, and they contacted me probably a couple weeks later and were like, please take all of our services off of your page. We don't want to have your our website on your website. And I was like, but you guys are a public page who say that you advocate for aviators and their special issuances so I'm very confused now like that's another thing yeah. where I'm like, okay there's two a union a aviation safety organization and they're both like being like do not associate me with your mental health aspect and it's, I was just like what I don't I don't I just it, it leaves me speechless because I don't understand how you can say that you advocate for pilots, but then when something actually comes along that is advocating for pilots, you're just not going to agree. You're not even like to go, to go out of your way, to send you an email saying, take our website off of your website. We do not want to be affiliated with you to go that far, to go to that measure. Like, but the good thing about this and Maddie, we both know this is by these things happening, we know that this petition is getting eyes. Oh yeah. It, it sheds light on the fact that this is an issue. It is stigmatized. It is being buried by all of these organizations. And when you really think about it, the hard part and the really, really sad part about everything is all of these safety organizations, they're making money off of the problem. Everyone is making money off this mental health issue and they know it. So Mm -hmm. that's why they don't want to fix it because if we fix mental health for pilots and special issuances and how aeromedical reform is viewed, that will eliminate a lot of these organizations. Oh yeah. And then on just from a medical standpoint, like the amount of money that my dad had to spend to get his, his license back. It's just like, there's everything really, really boils down to money and money can be such a hard thing to fight, but we know that we're getting eyes. And I do feel like enough people are going to get mad. Enough people are going to get mad and we need strength in numbers. Like 
that is the only way that we're going to fight this fight. Because if we're getting turned down by the people who say that they care about us, we're going to have to, we're going to have to fight our own fight. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely takes a little courage. Um, And I would say the hard part is that pilots feel like they can't talk about it because of that threat of job loss. But reality is I feel like you can talk about it. Um, And if you really feel passionately about it, just share person to person. It's not something that you have to put on social media, but it's definitely something you should have conversations with people about. Definitely with your friends, your flight instructor. I don't like, I don't care who it is. Like start a conversation. That is one of the best things you can do because so many people, like you said, Maddie, so many people are afraid to talk about this because it's so stigmatized. And I think we have to, we have to break down that wall. Like we're going to have to break that ice because unless we do that, nobody's going to have these open conversations because it's always going to be so fear-based. It's just, yeah. And, and that's what the FAA wants. They're like, we don't want to change. That's what the safety organizations that surround this. I'm not saying everyone wants this, but it, it does stand like that point of them making money off of pilots illnesses is true so when we fix it like they're like oh well I'm not gonna make money off that anymore and I think that's a big big issue that safety organizations like AOPA you guys have to pay dues to be part of AOPA oh yeah and it's like I'm not part of that anymore (laughs) yeah where did these dues go yeah like what you send me you send me a magazine every single month that has nothing in it I just throw it away Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> the AOPA is going to be like, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll never have you on our, in our magazine now. Yeah. Um, my, but for my... real, like I called them, I have reached out to them multiple times. They don't want to talk to me about this like no. at all, at all. And they have lawyers, they have lawyers within their company or within their organization that help pilots with these sort of things, but they don't even want to have a conversation about it. It's just, it's just backwards, man. That's what I think. I'm like, okay, so, but why aren't you guys thinking about this? Because right now COVID has impacted 80% of America's mental health. And so we can't like say, oh, pilots haven't been affected because we know that they've been affected. The FAA has even come out with articles and surveys showing that aviation workers are having a really fucking hard time with their mental health. And yet, we're still threatening them with job loss. Yeah, yeah. No, like that, it, it, it makes total sense, doesn't it? When somebody's <laughs> like literally on like their last limb, you know, at their wits end, we're just going to threaten you a little bit more. Maybe you'll want to stay, you know? Yeah. Like I, it, it's bizarre to me how much intimidation is involved within aviation. Like the two rhyme and I think it's hilarious because within every part of aviation there's so much intimidation there's so much intimidation for female aviators when I went to school like just the intimidation of uh not being able to like fly every single day of the week like some of the other students got to do the intimidation that I got from my flight instructors when I would tell them that yeah I have a full-time job like Hmm. that I have a life outside of aviation And I can't do one, like I have to do, I can't just do one or the other. And there's so much, like just, oh, even on your check rides, the amount of intimidation it's, and I think that's why a lot of people are 
afraid to approach aviation is because it's just it's very fear-based very fear-based a lot of machoism yeah and I and I love that you pointed that out because I think a lot of people when they take on aviation they become a pilot it becomes a whole persona because that's all they know that's for my husband especially he's only been an aviator I've had like 20 different jobs so I know I could get a job doing a lot of different things but my husband if he lost his job and was furloughed he's like I really don't have any job skills besides flying and that's a very small skill set um and it's and when it's furlough time like what do you do yeah and it's it's important to have other passions than aviation because when your mental health is affected by aviation there's like a huge disconnect you're like this is something that made me so happy and now it's not and why is that and so you have to lean on your other passions and you are so much more than a pilot it is an awesome job skill to have and it's so but you're a person yeah but you're pilots are freaking people like they have other things and I did not marry my husband because he could fly a plane he has way better things about him than him flying a plane yeah so and I think that's one that like I really really want to hammer to you guys is that you I I know that it might seem cool and it's awesome to brag about being a pilot I get it you've worked I worked my ass off to get my private pilot I worked my ass off to get my IFR I understand people you want to share your success go for it, dude. But you have to, like Maddie said, you got to have other passions because when you are so ingrained in that world and you don't give yourself another outlet, you are going to start to breed anxiety. I'm not saying for certain you will, but I've seen it within my own family. You know what I mean? And it, it, my dad had to have his other, his other activities. There were things that my dad like what I would say my dad had other passions that he loved as much, if not more than aviation. And I think that's why my dad always, my dad's problem was never mental health. His problem was physical health, but he always had an outlet and coming home. Like we flew, we flew the cub, but we did a lot of other things outside of aviation. I really think that helped him a lot. Yeah. It's, just important to have multiple facets of your personality and not just rely on one thing because I mean like like with COVID everyone got furloughed and tons of people were like I don't know who I am if I'm not flying even flight attendants were like who am I without me flying everywhere and it's just like remember that's just like a job it's awesome that you get to travel to all these places you get to share all these new things with people but that's not who you are yeah yeah for real for real and that was another thing that I forgot to even mention is like when my dad did had to go on medical leave it was like what what do I do you know what I mean like my dad Mm -hmm. had been working as an airline captain for over 20 years I want to say don't quote me on that but (laughs) he's like he's like I have like thousands upon thousands of hours in my logbook and in the real world it literally means nothing and it's that's so sad because I I wish and that's another thing I wish I wish that you know some of this did account for something in the real world because I know myself there's so much time and money that's been put forth in my flight training and really when I put that on a, a LinkedIn or a Indeed 
resume. There is no like option for that. That doesn't mean anything in the real world. And it's, and that's another thing that I think can kind of, I don't know, kind of mess with your head a little bit is because you kind of get in this own bubble. You're in this own world in aviation. And when you're outside of it, I think there are parts of life that kind of tell you, you know, you don't belong here. But like Maddie is saying, I just want to reiterate that you do belong. You belong anywhere you want to be. And that goes for if if you are a student wanting to go to flight school, don't let this or anything else or other people intimidate you. If you want to fly, you will make it happen. I know a lot of the time when I first started out in flight school, I didn't feel like I belonged, um, partly just because I was a woman, but there were other things. And I think it's just super important that you have a sense of self and who you are and love yourself and love your identity. Yeah, it's very important. Like every pilot has like a different pathway. I didn't really realize this until I started talking to other pilots. I'm like, wow, like my husband has a very standard way of how he went about things. Um, He just literally went from regional, CFI, regional to mainline. And that's pretty cut and dry for him. But he's also a white male. So um, he has the opportunities. And uh, other people just have very different ways of how they went about things. And that's fine. Like, I feel like you guys shouldn't be even comparing yourselves because it's just different for everyone. It costs so much money, like you said. So everyone will do it in a different timeline. And, oh, yeah. And that's, and that's okay. one thing that so you receive so much judgment. If like, I, I will never forget the first school I went to, it was like, you were like doxxed if you didn't get your <laughs> private pilot within 35 hours, and you didn't get it within a month, you're like, you're out. You suck, bro. You'll never be a pilot. <laughs> like, like, literally, there was so much stigma. It was wild to me. Like, I was baffled by the amount of looks that I would get when like I told people it took me a year to get my private pilot they're like huh <laughs> I'm like yeah but, but you got it I got it and like but you got it I, I, like I got it and I feel like I feel like it that was exactly what I needed if you need a year if you need two years if you can do it in six months if you can do it in three good for you you know what I mean but we shouldn't be judging each other based on like a certain amount of time because you don't ever know and I've said this in my one of my first episodes is you don't know someone's situation you really don't you really don't and as far as money work personal life like when I was in my private pilot training I was working a full-time job I didn't really have a lot of money for flight school I had to be really really careful and I had to budget when and where because it all adds up um and then on top of that I was dealing with a long distance relationship that I wanted to make work. Do you know how many times I got told, oh, well, you need to choose one or the other. I got told not that long ago that, oh, well, you're not going to be able to be in a relationship and uh, have a career in aviation. I'm like, "Uh, this is what's (laughs) wrong with this freaking industry. Like, (laughs) like that is an awful thing to say. Like, and it, I dealt with that all throughout, like, I've dealt with that since I've started aviation, since I've started aviation. So I have a question for you. Do you think that pilots are more pessimistic than optimistic in the industry? Pessimistic. I can't even say that. Pessimistic. (laughs) Pessimistic. Yeah. Everything is like right here, right now. Like there is no, it's kind of like 
instant gratification, a lot of instant, like, I don't, I don't even know how to really explain that. Because I feel like they are pessimistic, but there are a lot of like facets of why they are. Um, You you tell me. I um, I love an outsider. Like you're not an outsider, (laughs) but you do have like, and this is why I like love your viewpoint and why I really wanted you on the podcast is because you're kind of seeing it from above and like myself, I'm kind of in it. I'm not all the way in it, but like, I think it's an interesting viewpoint. Yeah, just being, like, married into it and then also coming from my customer service agent ramper background. Yeah. Like, okay, so when I was a customer service agent, I always thought pilots were assholes. And no offense to you guys, like, that you're just overworked regionally when because I was working on regionals. And so I always just had this this thing about them thinking that they're mean Um, so when I met my husband honestly I was not into him because of that reason I was just like they're all the same they're all like think they're the shit but they also are not nice and my husband wasn't like that he was very like childlike playful like not stressed just having fun uh but but he was also 24 when I met him so now Fast forward to what, like 10 years later that we've been together. And I would say he's much more jaded than he was when he started. And that's because of all the things that have happened in the industry and us going through COVID and seeing that, you know, all of these, these people, the companies, the unions, the safety organizations say they care, but in reality, they don't. And uh, we found that out through just petitioning for pilot mental health and air medical reform. So I think overall, they have a more pessimistic view because of all of the things that are up against them and all the money and time they put into actually getting the skill set they have and knowing it can be taken from them at any moment. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like, it's almost it's almost scary to think about. It's almost scary to be optimistic because you really don't know. It's almost like you don't really have a sense of security. Yeah. And I think the scariest thing to me are people that are super into their company and like love their company. And I'm just going to tell you guys, like the moment your company does something to you that you don't like and you speak out about it, that's the moment they will drop you. They don't care about you. They care about their shareholders. And as long as you make it look all pretty and and say, oh, my airline's the best. They're okay with that for you to post on social media. But if you say anything negatively about your company, they will go links to drop you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Dude, that's why my dad never had any form of social media. And, like, we were not allowed to take pictures of him. He was so, I mean, like, I know a lot of people like that, too. I know a lot of pilots who just don't have social media. Don't Mm -hmm. have it. Don't even entertain it because they are so, my dad was, like, so afraid of like okay example I which I mean like you know most kids you're not allowed to smoke weed you shouldn't smoke pot when you're young but like my dad really thought that if I got caught smoking pot that he would lose his job oh Jesus like like that's how much fear like we like he knew a guy who literally had lost his job because his son got in a bunch of trouble and like I don't know how, but somehow the father like ended up 
losing his job over it. So the and and it was all from this like he said, she said, but that was enough for like my dad actually believed that. Like my dad really believed that in his head. He was like, if my kids get in trouble, I will get in trouble. And like same thing with the whole I mean, I rode horses growing up. I know I've had multiple concussions. I never went to the doctor. You know why? Because my dad always wanted me to be a pilot. And he did not he's want like, that I'm on not that freaking record. You. Yeah, yep. he's like, um, nope, <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. But it's just, it, it's wild to me that, like, I, I just, I don't get it. And I hope by talking about these things that we can kind of breach and broach or whatever. I don't know. Either or. Kind of yeah. spread awareness within, like the, like, the civilian side of this. Because these airlines, like... They also don't care about their pilots, but they really don't care about you, the person in the back, by not caring about their pilots. Exactly. Like, and y'all they... are paying big money, and you don't even, like, what? <laughs> it's just, it's baffling. Yeah, and to comment even on that, Emma, uh, rem- remember when I posted, this was a couple weeks back, with the... I forget what airline it was, but that pilot who had that mental health breakdown on board was like the yes, AA yeah. subsidiary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Republic was it? I don't know. Anyways, that guy just had a um, crazy major breakdown on board and everyone was just like, get me the fuck off this plane. I need to catch my flight. And, and that's the thing. Like the passengers have a total disconnect from their pilots and we've come now to a place where we don't care about anyone but ourselves. And mm-hmm. and we know, like, passengers don't care about cabin crew at all. Oh, no. They treat them like they're like shit. horrible <laughs> human beings. I'm like, these people care about your safety. Yeah. And, like, so it's just, like, I don't even think passengers care, but I want them to. Yeah. And we have to say that this is a safety issue. And... I know pilots are actively lying about their mental health because they know they can't get help and they know their jobs will be threatened or taken from them through their medical. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's by no fault of their own. It's just by the design of the system. And so when I say it's a safety issue, it's not me saying like, oh, I'm mad at pilots for lying. No, I'm mad at the organizations who have made this the reason why they lie yeah or back back them into a corner and giving them literally no other option what are you yeah. it's it's like having a gun to your head like it, anybody I mean, else I, would do the but, same thing if their yeah. job was threatened they would do the same thing mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and that's one thing like to to reiterate again and i keep saying that but I, I, I'm very, very well aware that people lie to their AME and we're not judging you for that. There's literally no judgment involved here. When we talk about that, we understand why you were having to lie, but what we're fighting for is so you don't have to lie to your AME. Um, you know, I, I really, really hope soon that we will get to that point, but it's just sad. And, and that in itself, you feel so much guilt. I don't know, you know, depending on who you are, what your moral compass is, but I don't like to lie. I do not like to lie. Like I do not live, a, I, I want to live a truthful life. And I know that people feel a lot of guilt having yeah. to lie to their AME about this stuff. And then, and then the fear of, well, I don't even know if I'm okay. 
Like mm-hmm. I, I can't even think of how many times my dad sat there and was probably having chest pain, like and knew something was wrong, but was like, I don't even know. Like, I can't go and get help. I'm going to lose, like, my, my job will get taken away from me. But what if I die? You know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. it's really sad. Like, I can't imagine how many older people there are out there that don't, you know, get the the physical health that they need um, because they're afraid. They're afraid. My grandma was a flight attendant and she kept on flying for the longest time, Maddie. Like they literally had to tell her, you must retire. And the amount of times (laughs) that this woman was injured, like on the flight line, on the flight line during layovers, like she got hit in the hit in the shoulder with a bag that flew out of the overhead bin container thing. She's gotten hit by the luggage car. And like they and instead of you know, like helping her with like her medical expenses and giving her full pay. No, you had to be on medical leave. And it got to a point where like my grandma fell one time in, I think it was Dublin. She fell on cobblestone and laid there for a really, really long time until she got up and she never got help because she knew, she knew that if she went to the doctor and got help, that they were going to make her take leave again. Wow. Like, so it, it boils down to like, even, even our flight attendants, our air traffic controllers and, and our, you know, very senior flight attendants and our senior captains who I can't even imagine, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I haven't even thought about that, Maddie, until just now us talking about that. And it just makes me so sad. Like, it makes me so freaking sad, like that this has affected so many people and it affects people that aren't even pilots it affects flight attendants too yeah I think cabin crew as a whole are just facing such a hard time right now with with passengers like I everyone seems very angry in 2021 just from the pandemic and being locked up and they don't want to listen to anyone tell them what to do Uh, and and flight attendants are taking like combat classes. That is what's insane to me that someone like passengers will literally hit people who are there for their safety is crazy to me. So I only wonder about what cam crew thinks when they're going to work. They're like, am I going to get hit today? Yeah. Is my teeth yeah. going to get busted out? Is my nose going to get broken? Like who wants, like, I would never think that would happen in the aviation industry yet. Here we are. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's literally turned into like, it's just, I tell people that all the time who aren't in aviation, they don't understand. They, they'll ask me all the time, you know, why don't, why don't you want to be an airline pilot? This seems like the most glamorous job. And I'm like, it really isn't like the people that we serve on a day-to-day basis treat us like they, they treat them like shit. You know what I mean? There's absolutely no respect. There's no dignity. Um, And I'm not saying that you need to show like, unwavering respect towards your cabin crew and the pilots but like come on like show some but like simple (laughs) decent decency it's just having decency and understanding that these people are literally in control of your life for the next hour two hours seven hours doesn't matter they're literally pretty much in control of your life and if anything bad is going to happen who who are you gonna who who are you gonna trust to get you out you know what i mean like yeah. it's going to be the flight attendants and the cabin crew and your pilots, or it's going to be your pilots at the end of the day that are going to make sure that y'all can even land safely and walk away from it. 
and y'all are gonna act like rowdy ass i mean some of these videos it looks like a like a prison plane yeah like like a bunch of freaking prisoners like i mean oh like nobody has decency anymore i'm really like it scares me it really does scare me but i think it's all just like you said i think it's really these are side effects of everything that we've all been through over the past I mean, let's call it two. It's been almost two years. I mean, we're yes, still dealing with COVID right now in 2021. Yeah, and it's still affecting everyone's mental health um, differently. And we're still seeing the effects of it in the air. And there's still nothing being done about pilot mental health. And so we're just like the organizations that don't support pilot mental health are just fueling the fire of these crazy events happening, like pilots having breakdowns in cockpits and things like that. So I think that's what's most frustrating as we are seeing like a major uptick in mental health and we're not doing anything about it. And so really what it comes down to is the FAA is basically saying we don't support pilot mental health. So we're just waiting for an accident to happen. And and then we'll change it because that's the yeah. only way that things change is like accidents. Yeah. And it's sad like that people are literally going to have to die before like in, in the FAA's mind, they're literally in that I, I'm going to be cart and the FAA's mind. They're saying that pretty much until somebody dies, until a bunch of people die, we're not going to do anything about it. We're not. We're not. They Mm -hmm. don't care about their pilots. They don't care about the people that are paying money to be on those planes. And through that, the airlines don't care about you. You're the ones paying out the ass to be there. It all boils down. It's like it affects everyone. It's all a chain link fence. Like it all connects. And it's, it's really sad. But the best thing that you can do if this bothers you, if this make sure which for me it makes my blood boil um Mine's boiling. but <laughs> yeah 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 if this bothers you write to congress like write mm-hmm. to your state write to your local elected officials like me and maddie doing this we're we're i feel like what we're doing right now is awesome it really is great what we're doing speaking out having this platform being a resource for people but nothing is really going to change guys unless we all do something about it we're all going to have to band together and really 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 push this thing hard because it can't just be two it can't just be three it's going to have to be hundreds yeah it's going to take the village of people in aviation and people outside of aviation to make this happen and it can't like you said it can't just be me and you yes we can inspire people but those people have to act too we need the help of more than just me and emma You guys are the people viewing this and listening to this. You guys are part of the change and, and we need your help. Yeah, for real. Well, goodness, we might as well. Do you want to wrap it up? Um, Yeah. So me and Emma have been talking about how we can get more signatures because we want to get to 7,500 signatures on the air medical reform petition, human rights for pilots. So, what we were thinking about is incentivizing it with a cash prize. So we are going to be talking about that on the next episode for sure. Heck yeah, guys. So stay tuned and thank you all again so much for joining 
us again to listen to season two episode one of the pilots pandemic guys don't forget to rate subscribe download follow us both on instagram all of those links will be in the description below um but i guess until next time maddie yep (laughs) out (laughs) of five thousand bicycle